And we are live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Frankly Speaking on Fridays podcast. I am your host, Frank Pedor, and it is currently 6.16 Eastern Time on November 19th, 2021. Oh, man. Are you exhausted as I am? Because I tell you what, this, this week has been has been a week. And I'll tell you everything about it, but first, let's talk about you. How was your week? Did you do everything that you wanted to? Did, were you able to accomplish the goals that you sought to do? If not, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Tomorrow's another day. Tomorrow is another week. Another week will come. More days will come. And you know what? You overcome your, uh, your, your, um, well, just this week. What you weren't able to accomplish, you will. I have faith in you. I know you can do it. I know, I know you'll get on top of it. And with that said, you know what you should be proud of yourself for? Making it another week around this globe. A lot has happened within this week. A lot of good things, a lot of bad things. And you know what? Some nonchalant things. And you know what? I focus on the good and the nonchalant. Although some of the bad things that happened were really bad. Unfortunately. But we're in this together. We're living, breathing knowledgeable individuals who will strive forth the following week and conquer it. That's what we're going to do. Also, we're going to take a little bit of time to relax next week, too, because it is Thanksgiving for Americans. That one very weird and questionable holiday that we celebrate where we pretend to love the Indians for one day and then we look back to our past and what we did to them and what we're still doing to them and you kind of question everything about American history. Mm. Yeah, like everything else before and after that isn't bad enough. Look at what we did to the Indians. But that's a podcast for another time. You would think it would be appropriate for this podcast right now, but I didn't think of it. So, oh well. Anyway, uh, I have plans, I have ideas for this podcast. To my surprise, and probably to yours as well. But, here. A shot to commemorate the 11th podcast as well to commemorate you for being here for listening for breathing another week and you know what i know you're doing the best that you can right now you keep it going you keep it up and we'll just get it best uh for everyone all right cheers Whew. brandy brandy so um my week my week has been okay. A little frustrating just because of work. However, as of literally less than an hour ago, I actually began working my new job. I began picking up the phone uh, virtually and making those phone calls and talking to people and dialing people. And after a little bit of tech issues with Zoom and, you know, myself, I was actually able to, you know, hear and talk to people accordingly. And to my surprise, after nearly 40 calls and talking to about, I don't know, six people or so, one of them agreed to sit down in a meeting with me in order to discuss their mortgage protection. And I'm blown away by that. I thought I would just be making call after call to no one, to no one picking up, to no one willing to talk, let alone willing to sit down and discuss with me 
plans and mortgage protection. It's exactly what I've been doing, what I've been training to do for almost literally the past month and a half now. So yeah, I will be having that meeting this weekend and hopefully I will be able to find something good for that individual. And I know I will just given all the circumstances, which has been laid before me, I'll be able to treat him just fine. So that's exciting. Otherwise it was just a bunch of technological uh, angst in all honesty, just trying to figure out computers, just trying to figure out programs, uh, just, oh, the headache and the proper procedure in which to go about doing this job and getting everything up and going. But now that everything is up and going, I'm probably doing it all wrong just because I disagree with the current program that I am using, but I'll talk with my mentor about it, about a couple of things. Uh, so yeah, uh, there's, there's a lot more to this job than I anticipated, just particularly talk wise. It all comes down to word. A part of me feels that I would potentially be able to do this job if I were a lawyer. Like, being an actor and having improv under my belt, that's good. That allows me to kind of, like, know where the script is, what to say, how to do, but also able to bend and manipulate it to my will so that I can go off the script but then also weave back and forth around it in order to get the rapport needed but also be able to serve my purpose of being able to get these people better protected. So that's basically been my week as of late. I've also been pra uh, practicing guitar a lot more as well, which has been quite nice. Uh, I've been just practicing random uh, scale exercises. Well, not random. I've just been practicing scale exercises. And if a song comes to mind, I'm like, oh, maybe I could play that or at least work on it right now. The last one that I looked up was Sharp Dress Man by ZZ Top. I think I might be able to get that down, uh, given like a week or two of on and off practice with the guitar. So that might be fun. I'm having difficulty like, you know, like uh, full barring uh, strings uh, with one finger. So that's something I need to work on. And also every single time I play a scale, when I lift up from the previous string, it wants to vibrate. Uh, so I need to figure out a way in which to eliminate that vibration. But that's all music stuff. Uh, but however... If you're doing musical activity this week, like we discussed last week, please let me know. Email me. Talk to me. Uh, email the podcast at fsofpodcast at gmail.com. I would gladly love to listen, or rather, read. If you want to send me an excerpt that you're working on, great. Even more so, I'll gladly uh, critique it for you. But uh, let me know what musical ventures you're doing. Uh, email me, fsofpodcast at gmail.com. So, that was my week. I hope your week has been going well. If you're curious about the title of this, and for those listening on Spotify or Apple Podcast, I have titled, or at least sent out a notification of the live Twitch stream happening right now, saying, another week, another podcast. Join me as we talk about something that I truly dislike. What will it be? The answer may surprise you. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you're just burning and dying with anticipation as to what 
what could Frank possibly truly dislike? And it's something that I've never mentioned on the podcast before. The only reason why this thing came up for me in which to talk about, because one, it's been a burning dislike for years now. For years. And two, it only came up because of coincidence, I suppose, with my uh, therapy session yesterday. Yes, I see a therapist. I talk to him twice a week. And it's very nice. If you're not in therapy and you feel that maybe you need to talk to someone, or maybe you feel that you don't have anyone in which to talk to, I, I would recommend a therapist has done me a great a great deed i feel more in tune with myself than ever before so you know i can put together you know the you know yeah i know you know i know you know and you're gonna find here's the thing is that for those of you who know what i truly dislike <laughs> um you're gonna you might find out a little bit more as to why i dislike it Myself included, because I haven't read all these articles all the way through. But you may agree with me after this. You may. Anyway, um, know that you are wanted. Uh, and if you just need someone to talk to, there's always the, uh, the suicide hotline. But honestly, I would always recommend seeing a therapist. Uh, they are they're great people. They are there for you. And I think it, they do a great service. And if you need someone to talk to, then please, by all means, uh, look one up. The one that I have is through a community program, which is extremely affordable. And he's, he's been great. Uh, I hope that you're able to find someone to talk to that you can trust and just, uh, just, just vent. Sometimes all of us just need an ear. Uh, even if you go to a friend, you just say, I need you to sit down. I need you to shut up and not say a word. I just want you to listen. Finding that person, finding that friend, uh, it, it can mean the world. So please do that. Okay. So let's get on to the main subject of this entire podcast which I'm going to stretch to the best of my ability to fill up the hour time, which I know I can, especially with this topic. Oh boy. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. So, um, as you probably know, or may or may not know, I live currently in the state of Indiana. However, I was not born in the state of Indiana. I was born in uh, i was born technically in McHenry, illinois and i grew up and lived my childhood and the beginning of my adulthood in crystal lake illinois momism and dadism my mother and my father they were both born and raised in chicago illinois my family heritage while deeply seated within Chicago, initially came from Bohemia. They migrated in 1902 to the Canadian border and made their way down south to Chicago. That is my family heritage. Why do I mention all of this? Well, while I live in Indiana, 
my heart and home kind of still feels as if it's in Illinois. At least there are certain aspects of Illinois, which I am a bit proud of. And of course, Chicago kind of inherits and holds all of that. The Natural History Museum, the Brookfield Zoo, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the deep dish pizzas, the Chicago hot dog. Hell, even one of my family members worked for Al Capone. <laughs> so my roots are indeed deep with Chicago. And honestly, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm proud of that. I feel good about Chicago being within my heritage. It's interesting Chicago's history to begin with. The fact that it was just a marshland. You wouldn't think of actually building a city on top of it. And yet here we are. One of the most biggest important cities in the United States. Chicago. So... Why do I mention all this? Why do I mention my family, its connection to Chicago, the things that I love and enjoy about Chicago? Oh, also the comic books, uh, the comic book shops in Chicago, Graham Cracker, all those stores, Shelby's and I know we want to go back. Oh my God. Do you remember that basement full of all those back issues? My God, it was like two rooms and just at least a hundred long boxes of comics. My God, we could have spent opening the clothes there, just sifting through all of that. There goes a paycheck or two. Yeah, no kidding. Oh my God, we had a wonderful time in Chicago. Anyway, I'm reminiscing now. So let me get back on point. The reason why I mention all this is because there is something which is which has become iconic in Chicago something that um, everyone seems to visit everyone likes to look at and uh, you know take selfies and Instagrams and this and that of and uh, well it's not something that I like and I know, I know some people know it, but not everyone. Despite my proud heritage of my family to Chicago and everything that Chicago is and represents and everything else that I listed, one thing that I did not list on that, that my family has no involvement. Honestly, I don't know how the rest of my family feels about this. This is just me. This is my personal dislike and grievance to this one thing of Chicago. And I'm so much of an Illinoisan. I think that's what we call ourselves or Chicagoan. I do not call the Willis Tower the Willis Tower. It is the Sears Tower. That is what it was when I was born and that's what it will be when I die. That is the Sears Tower. <sighs> the thing that I am talking about is the Chicago Bean. Yeah, John Hancock Tower. Yeah. John Hancock Tower before us. Absolutely. I mean, that's at least more respectable than the Willis. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Sears is, you know, a company and nah. But yeah, the Hancock Center. Sears Tower. Yeah. I would rather have either of those two than the Willis. 
just because he knows if, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, the Chicago Bean. I truly, truly despise the Chicago Bean. Now, before I dive into any of these articles, I will tell you why. I'll tell you exactly why. One, it is in a central part of Chicago, which is infamous. Uh, a lovely park that you can walk through in Chicago. And while you're doing so, you come across this giant concrete slab with some stairs and some pillars, and then you come across this giant mirrored bean just beaming at you. And yeah, sure, you can walk underneath it and see all of its bean-like structure and what have you. But out of everything that I just described to you, where does a bean fit in with Chicago? It does not. We're the Windy City. We are... We're not Beantown. That's somewhere else. I think that's in New York somewhere, Beantown. I don't even know. I don't even care. It's not Chicago. It does not represent Chicago in any way. I would prefer that bean be a giant cow. And you know why? Because at least that would represent the Chicago Great Fire that was caused, allegedly, by that cow. That would make more sense to me of having a giant mirror ceramic selfie cow than a bean. It represents Chicago in no way. Culturally, musically, economically. Well, I mean, if you think about Illinois as a whole, then maybe economically. But there's no good representation of Chicago within that structure. None whatsoever. It is a bean. Nothing else. Nothing more. It is worthless to me. So, I have five articles that I'm going to go through. And it's going to educate me. And it's going to educate you. And I'm going to do my best, despite that pure dislike speech that I just did towards the bean of educating myself and you so that I can maybe be able to like sway myself. Maybe at the end of this, uh, of this, I will in fact, like the bean. Maybe I don't know enough in order to be able to appreciate what it is. And maybe some symbolism, which comes with it. In all honesty, I never actually did educate myself on the bean. I judged it firsthand. I saw it. I said that was a bean and fuck it. Literally my thought process. There was nothing good or great or grand about this to represent the city of Chicago. So as always, these articles, which I read quote and reference are always going to be in the chat live as well as all the postings on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, so that you may see what it is exactly that I'm referencing, so I'm not just talking out of my ass like I normally do, but also because I wish to sound and represent myself a little more legitimately by quoting these things. So, 
This first article, which is entitled A Brief History of the Chicago Bean by theculturetrip.com, uh, written by a Katie Mestropieri on April 29th, 2020. It says, For many, the stainless steel cloud gate sculpture is a work of art. But for tourists, it's the best opportunity for a selfie. The public artwork, also known as The Bean, has become a must-see item on any Chicago itinerary. The sculpture by British artist Sir Anis Kapoor was unveiled at the opening of Millennium Park in 2004 and now serves as a famous symbol of the city and is one of Chicago's most photographed attractions. That much... I am most certain of. It continues. The bean is one of the most best is one of the best ways to capture Chicago's beautiful skyline while still being in the photo. Designed by the London-based artist Anish Kapoor, the work was selected out of two proposals that were submitted in 1999 for a showpiece sculpture that would sit in Millennium Park. At first, many Chicagoans, Chicagoans, we're extremely critical of this piece of metal, especially since the structure was under construction during the inauguration of the of the park in 2004. Anish Kapoor did not completely finish the sculpture until May 2006, when it was really displayed as a magical visual. Even before it was given the official title, Chicagoans were quick to dub the reflective steel sculpture The Bean thanks to its closed curve shape. However, its official title is Cloudgate. 80% of its surface reflects the sky and bends the reflection down into a gate shape. Today, the bean has multi-geotags on Snapchat, and it's comical how people always have the urge to touch the sculpture's silvery surface. Cleaners come twice a day, once in the morning and once at night, to polish and buff the entire thing. Meanwhile, there's a maintenance crew who come and wipe down the bottom six feet to get rid of fingerprints up to seven times a day. The Cloud Gate is an icon of Chicago and one of the best attractions that every visitor to the city should take the time to see. Seven times a day you have people going out to wipe off fingerprints? Okay, I'll be honest, I touched it too. I've been there a couple of times. Yes, I've touched it. I feel sorry for those people. Oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I just, I clean the bean. What? Your wife? No, no, not my, I, the Chicago bean. I, I touched the cloud gate. I, I wash it off and fingerprints. FBI agents should come by and just scan fingerprints off of that all the time. I think that would be the best interest in them if they want to collect everyone's information. All right, so there's a very, very brief history. So let's go a little bit deeper, shall we? So this is theclare.com. Um, unfortunately, I do not have a, uh, a writer. I do not have a date as to when this article was written. The only thing that I can really go off of is that there are related article articles at the bottom of it, like July 1st, 2015, June 29th, 2016, and January 2nd, 2018. 
Uh, so work with me on this. However, it is called uh, Chicago Bean History Inside Story Behind Cloud Gate. So they say in less than a decade, which again, they don't post a time which this article was published. Uh, Cloud Gate, known by most simply as The Bean, has vaulted into one of Chicago's top attractions. The final product, a gleaming steel mirror that bends the Chicago sky and skyline around its, uh, around its surface, had a long path to fruition from selection to development. This is the inside story on Chicago Bean history. Choosing the Bean! Millennium Park, in, in some ways, is a misnomer. Planning for the project in a northwest corner of Grant Park began in 1997, but delays pushed its public unveiling 2004, nearly half a decade, a, a decade after the transition into the 2000s. Nor were the costs as originally anticipated, rising from a substantial $150 million to $475 million by the time of completion. Funds came from taxpayers and private donors. I am so sorry my parents paid taxes to this. Anyway, part of Millennium Park included plans for several public artworks. A committee that included representatives from the Art Institute of Chicago, Museum of Contemporary Art Chicago, and some of the city's foremost art patrons was tasked with narrowing the field and ultimately choosing the artists to tackle these public art installations. To start, the committee pooled a list of 16 to 30 artists, the number varies based on accounts, from around the world with experience in large-scale outdoor works. Without soliciting specific ideas for the spaces in Millennium Park, the committee narrowed, it, narrowed its list to just two artists, British artists, a British artist, wow, that one's actually a tongue twister. British artist Anash Kapoor and U.S. artist Jeff Koons. With the field narrowed, the committee commissioned both artists for works in separate areas of Grant Park. Coons at AT&T Plaza, then known as Ameritech and later SBC Plaza, and Kapoor's in Lurie Garden. The initial proposal from Coons, however, quickly ran into challenges. Coons envisioned a 150-foot-long glass and steel slide rise 90 feet above the ground. Visitors would be able to observe the park from on high, then slide down to ground level. Yet to make the vision a reality, other components would be necessary, namely an elevator that would ensure access to the work for disabled visitors. The physical size of the work the committee also feared could come to dominate the space. Reservations were in contrast of Kapoor's proposal of a mirrored stainless steel object roughly 66 feet long. The only concern about Kapoor's work, according to some, was that its location in the Lurie Garden might generate so much foot traffic as to trample the organic installations there. The solution was to move Kapoor's unnamed project, Kapoor names projects only after their completion, to the space initially reserved for Coons. That space was also better suited to handle the 110-ton weight of the steel form. Coons' project 
was scrapped entirely. The final decision announced in 1999 budgeted just under $6 million for the project, with Ameritech contributing some $3 million. That optimistic estimate would be tripled before the final unveiling of CloudGate. So, who is this Kapoor? Well, let me tell you. Here is the artist behind the Chicago Bean. Born in 1958 in Bombay, now Mumbai, India, Kapoor moved to London in the 1970s. He was a standout at Hornsey College of Art and Chelsea School of Art Design, and his reputation as one of the world's leading sculptors has only grown. Kapoor has enjoyed solo exhibitions at some art as some of art's most respected venues, including the Guggenheim Museum in New York and Reina Sofia in Madrid. Reina, excuse me, I'm American, among many others. His works are housed in museums around the world, from San Francisco to Pardo, Italy, and Sydney, Australia. At the time of the Millennium Park proposal, Kapoor had yet to create a site-specific installation in the United States. His 1995 work, Turning the World Inside Out, falls sm uh, far smaller than the one proposed for Chicago, served as a conceptual basis for the polished metal work, a representation of liquid mercury to some that would become Cloudgate. What I wanted to do, Kapoor told the Chicago Tribune, was to make a work that would deal with the incredible skyline of Chicago and the open sky and the lake, but then also be a kind of gate. You know, the tradition of public sculpture is for the gate, the arcway, the square to flow within the landscape rather than be an object decorating it. Contemporary public spaces are a very difficult problem that we haven't yet fully and properly understood, Kapoor continued. The idea here was to make a work that was drawing in the sky, the skyline, and all of that, and at the same time allowing you to enter it like a piece of architecture that was pulling your own reflection into the fulcrum, making a kind of participatory experience. <clears throat> End quote. Creation of the cloud. Um, uh, I I won't go into the the creation. Like, uh, let's see. I'll just I'll read through it. Uh, lasted two years, span two thousand three, two thousand four. Uh, reached sixty six feet in length, 42 feet at the widest part, and rose as high as thirty three thirty three feet. The total cost reached twenty three million with an array of donors picking up the differences. Uh, let's see, wooden beams to begin it. Uh, the company's president, uh, let's see, settled on performance structure incorporated of Oakland, California. So not even the team that he hired to make the structure in Chicago is from California. Okay. Uh, he believed that Kapoor believed they could do it. Uh, they started doing it. More than a half dozen workers built the interior rings and a steel skeleton. Uh, the final work, true, the eggshell analogy. Yeah, so they built it way over budget. All right, the bean unveiled, unveiled. 
Here we go. The first but not final unveiling of the Chicago Bean occurred in July 2004 at the official opening of Millennium Park. However, not all seams had been yet been... Wow, what? However, not all seams had been yet been fully welded and polished. Wow. Kapoor was disappointed with the premature unveiling, wanting his work to reach the public eye only after all finishing touches were completed. Though the tent was indeed intended to go back up following the initial festivities, the popularity of the bean, which drew onlookers from early morning until late at night, convinced officials to hold off on finishing the work until January 2005. Work resumed in January and continued through August. When the tent again was removed, still, the steel navel underneath Cloud Gate didn't receive its final polish until October, when the bean attained its final form. From its initial partial unveiling to its present day appearance the bean has captured the imagination of chicagoans and visitors becoming one of the most one of the must-see attractions of the city even more so perhaps than any of the skyscrapers that curve gently in its brilliant reflection like any work of art kapoor's effort endured some criticism from those who felt it unimaginative <laughs> raise hands yeah, public affection has turned even that critic on its head. <laughs> Not me, I'm still raising my hand. Uh, the critical labeling of Cloud Gate as the electric kidney bean serves as genesis of the Chicago bean, the moniker that has stuck pulling Kapoor's high aspirations some 80% of the Cloud Gate reflections, the Chicago sky back down to earth for its millions of casual admirers. So, there you go. So here's the thing. Now you know a little bit about the artists. Now you see how it eventually came to being history-wise. This and that. Chicago Bean. Here's something that I pulled up. Which by no means has any type of qualification. Other than just what I'm saying right now. And at least I'm citing quoting articles. Here's something that is probably a little citing along with what I'm saying. This is an article <laughs> by the postgradproblems.com written by a publisher simply by the name of Will. Posted August 3rd, 2017. The title of said article is The Chicago Bean is hands down the worst monument of all time. So, <clears throat> Will, the publisher, says this. And Will's reviews of Chicago or The Bean do not reflect the Frankly Speaking on podcasts, nor myself, Frank Padour. I'm simply putting this article in here just because it stands in complete opposition of the past two articles, which I've read. So, Will of the postgradproblems.com writes this. There's a lot about Chicago that I absolutely despise. I want to punch Patrick Kane straight in the jaw. 
hockey player for those who don't know. Notre Dame grads are on par with Cardinal fans on the holier-than-thou scale of miserableness. Transplant Cubs fans might be the most annoying group of people that have ever collected in one geo geographical area. And while I'm sure the Al-Cheval uh, Burger, I've never been there, so I feel like I need to go there, tastes like a little chunk of heaven that fell directly onto your plate, I'm sick and tired of seeing the same goddamn picture of it on Instagram. Like, we get it. There's a knife through it and an egg. No one cares. But above all, by far, bar none, the worst part about the city of Chicago has nothing to do with food, sports, or people. It has to do with the mirrored lump of coal that sits smack dab in the middle of Millennium Park. That turd nugget of a disco ball that cons constantly surrounded by tourists and native Chicagoans alike. It's apparently called Cloudgate but it's more well known to the rest of the world as the Chicago Bean. Since 2006, we've been staring at photos of this abomination on every form of social media that Mark Zuckerberg shoves down all our willing throats. It builds during the spring only to culminate during Lollapalooza when every millennium on your feed flocks to Chicago to dress like a gypsy, carry around water bottles full of vodka, and black out to a bunch of bands they just started listening to on Spotify once the lineup came out. It's gotten to the point of self-awareness where people know that taking a photo in front of it is cliche, yet they still indulge because they yearn for people to know that, yes, they did go to Chicago and they did do something else besides drink well vodka in Wrigleyville. And while my hatred for the bean is perpetrated by the photos of it, it goes deeper than that. I personally am not a fan of any monument that holds essentially zero cultural relevance. Sure, this is quote-unquote modern art, but I could literally prick my finger and smear blood all over a canvas and dub it modern art too. The only difference is that mine is less Instagrammable, so no one would take selfies in front of it. Half of modern art is just the product of an artist telling you there's significance behind something when, in actuality, they're just trying to make an honest buck like the rest of us. The Beans designer, uh, Anish Kapoor, actually hates the fact that it's called the Bean. But Earth 2 Anish Kapoor, it's a fucking bean and nothing else. You can call it cloud gate all you want, but I've never seen a cloud shaped like that before. You know why people aren't taking selfies in front of the monument of Joe Lewis in Detroit like they are in front of the Bean? Well, sure, it's particularly because not that many people are visiting Detroit. But more importantly, it's because the fist lacks the mirrored surface that graces the entirety of the Bean. We've reached a point as a society where everything is about you. You don't like this stupid monument because architecturally beautiful. You like it because you can stand in front of it, stare at yourself, and make a goofy, goofy face that you can Snapchat to your friends. People aren't taking photos of it because of its reflection of the skyline and its surroundings. They're taking photos of it because they can still be the focal point of the photos no matter what vantage point you take it from.
It's essentially one giant bathroom mirror that's in service for selfies all day rather than between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. This monument was selected over 30 other designed pitched 30. Set down your phone, take a step back from your keyboard, do whatever you need to do to get into some deep thought before you ask, before I ask you to do this. But can you simply fathom how monumentally shitty the other 30 designs had to be in order for this to emerge as the favorite? I don't even want to know how much this thing costs to erect. We already know, I just read that let alone how many minds collaborated in order to make this dream into a reality. Imagine being a designer whose pitch got snubbed. Nah, we're, we're going to go with this massive reflective dump instead, but thanks for pouring your heart and soul into it. Me, I'll stick with Detroit's fist and hopefully be able to use mine in a real life, in real life, should I ever cross paths with Patrick, Patrick Kane. So, that's what Will had to say. Turd nugget? Yeah, even worse than a turd nugget, right? What the hell were those other pitches? Like a giant slide came to second of this. The only thing that comes to mind with that slide is, like, liabilities. Like, how many people would try to use that slide in order to commit suicide or fall off the rail and try to sue the city or the artist? Yeah, they're worried about, like, they were worried about, like, the surroundings. I'm worried about the people and the tourists and suicide, uh, you know, people who are down their dumps wanting to commit suicide, you know? So, there's that. There's article number three, which, you know, I still kind of agree with. It's It represents Chicago culturally in no way. It is a mirrored beam, a uh, bean still in my mind. So I found something rather funny. Uh, funny and also giving a little bit more relevance to uh, the artist, Kapoor. And it comes from Reddit. And I know that Reddit can be questionable, but you know what? They're, uh, they're following their people on Reddit. They actually are rather more legitimate than most articles that you find from most major news sources. So here's the thing. Uh, the article that I just post is of a subreddit coming from Confusing Perspective. And someone posts, The bean in Chicago is particularly invisible, even though you're looking right at it. And looking at this photo, yeah, absolutely right. But it's not the photo that I want to reference. It's some of the comments down below. One in particular is written by a bright gray day two years ago. They write... The artist Anish Kapoor also developed the world's blackest black paint, but no other artist in the world is allowed to use it. It's not technically a paint, and there is some kind of contractual reason for this that you can read up about, but essentially, most artists consider him a super douchebag for, for this alone. Stuart Semple is the absolute hero who developed a similar blackest black, and sells it for cost price, unlike your Anish Kapoor. This is from the item page of his website. Note, by adding this product to your cart, you confirm that you are not Anish Kapoor. You are in no way affiliated to Anish Kapoor. You are not purchasing this item on behalf of Anish Kapoor or 
an associate of Anish Kapoor. To the best of your knowledge, information and belief, this paint will not make its way into the hands of Anish Kapoor. He also sells bags of quote-unquote English soil, but you have to confirm that you're not th uh, Theresa May if you want to buy it. Absolute mad lad. So the thing is that Anish Kapoor is just dubbed by the artist and sculptor world as a major douchebag. Honestly, I can see it within the Chicago Bean. And the fact that he doesn't like it being called the Chicago Bean just makes me want to call it that even more. Hell, I don't even think anyone knows that in Chicago that's actually supposed to be called Cloud Gate. The hell kind of name is that? <sighs> yeah, no, just, just keep calling it Chicago Bean. There is one thing that I will say about Kapoor. Um, and that he at least stands up for his art and his work when it is necessary. Like, granted, he's, he's never going to hear this. And if he does, he's going to hate my guts and whatever, so fuck him. But... Um, something happened about three years ago now, uh, more than, th uh, yeah, three years ago, three and a half years ago now, where evidently, uh, the NRA decided to shoot a commercial and use a, uh, couple of, you know, skyline photographs and this and that. And I guess the bean came into image in one of those uh, commercials. So, this article by BuzzFeed, uh, take with them as you will. BuzzFeed article says, the maker of the famous Chicago Bean is suing the NRA for using it in a video. This was written in June 21st, 2008 by Tanya Chen. They continue. Let's see. They write, uh, Anish Kapoor, the artist behind the iconic reflective sculpture, popularly known as the Bean in downtown Chicago, is suing the National Rifle Association for featuring the structure in one of its promotional videos. The sculpture, which is officially called Cloud Gate, appears 17 seconds into the video, which is titled The Clenched Fist of Truth. The video was released in June last year. Kapoor's lawsuit filed Tuesday calls the video, quote, a clear call to armed violence against liberals and the media, end quote. Kapoor claims that the pro-gun organization, quote, never asked for permission, end quote, and that he, quote, never granted it and never would have granted it, end quote. In March, Kapoor released a statement with the anti-gun violence nonprofit every town for gun safety, condemning the illegal use of CloudGate. He said he was disgusted that his, quote, creative work has been appropriated by the NRA to perpetrate its hateful ideologies, end quote. According to the statement, he then asked the NRA to remove the image from the video, but the gun advocacy group refused to comply. He's now asking a federal court to order its removal and to award him damages for its use. The NRA did not immediately respond for, to a request for comment from BuzzFeed's news. The NRA advertisement 
quote, the NRA advertisement, as they describe the video on their own website, seeks to whip up fear and hate, Kapoor said. He continues, it plays to the basis and most primal impulses of paranoia, conflicted and violence, and uses them in an effort to create a schism to justify its most regressive attitudes, end quote. He believes the NRA deliberately used the imagery of Cloudgate, quote, to represent liberal America, end quote, and that the video aimed to, quote, give violence to xenophobic anxiety and further called to arm the population against a fictional enemy, end quote. Kapoor and his legal team are asking for his statutory damages from the NRA in the amount of $150,000 per infringement, as long as the clenched fist video includes the bean. The NRA's nightmarish, intolerant, divisive vision prevent, uh, perverts everything the cloud gate and America stands for, he said. And there's a documentation of his uh, claim and everything of that nature legally, which you can sift through if you want, etc., etc. Now, I don't know how this ended. I wasn't able to find anything as far as how the outcome of that happened. So let me just do one last search. Kapoor versus NRA. Aha. Here we go. News.artnet.com. In December 6 of 2008, Anish Kapoor declares victory over the NRA in the settlement that requires the gun group to remove his art from an ad. Well, he stuck up for his beliefs and his rights, and hey, it worked out. Uh, let's see, reached an out-of-court settlement with the National Rifle Association to end a copyright infringement lawsuit he brought against the gun advocacy group in June over the unauthorized unauthorized exclusion of his artwork Cloudgate in 2006 in an anti-gun control ad. All right, let's see. Uh, let's see, that's after-school shooting. Yeah, we have a lot of those. Kapoor uh, statement. Uh, declare. Okay, let's see. Read the full statement from Kapoor below. We are pleased to declare victory over the NRA. They have now complied with our demand to remove the unauthorized image of my sculpture Cloudgate from their abhorrent video, The Violence of Lies, which seeks to promote fear, hostility, and division in American society. Their bullying and intimidating their bullying and intimidation has not succeeded. This is a victory not just in defense of the copyright of my work, but it is also a declaration that we stand with those who oppose gun violence in America and elsewhere. The NRA will not be allowed to use art in support of their propaganda. Their toxic video called for the... Uh, their toxic video called for the clenched fist of truth. We, in our turn, call for the clenched fist of resistance, solidarity, and humanity. I invite the NRA, NRA to do the honorable thing and donate $1 million to the victims of gun violence in America through charities such as Every Town for Gun Safety, the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence, Giffords, the Brady Campaign, and Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. We would like to thank the legal teams for their pro bono work on this important case. Wow. And it lists all the people, all the lawyers who uh, did the pro bono work 
wow, he did that pro bono? That's nuts. Anyway, so, yeah, I guess in the art world, he is an absolute douchebag. Uh, his work, and the Chicago Bean is the only work that I've seen of him, but honestly, just seeing the Chicago Bean, I don't want to see any other work of his. Sure, he may be great and whatever, his art is everywhere, but honestly, if my first introduction to him is the Bean, I don't want to see anything else. I really don't want to see anything else. So yeah, after reading all of that, yeah, he's a douchebag. At least he sticks up for what seems to be right, at least within his own mind, and the fact that he uh, advocates for these non-violent anti-gun groups. That's cool. I can respect that. Why not? But I'm still not impressed with the Chicago Bean. I'm not. Even after learning all of that, I'm still not. And it sucks that Chicago went and had 30-plus artists, and the best that they could settle with was either between a giant slide or a bean, neither of which represent Chicago in any way. Again, I'd rather have the, a reflective cow that, that started the fire. That's what I would like. At least that would make sense. Or maybe that slide, but it went into like a giant dip, uh, deep dish Chicago pizza. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Or hell, you know what would be even better? What if they just had like, um, just like all the Illinois state senators and governors who have been imprisoned and they're just in a circle or just like down a factory line making your license plates. That would be better. I would totally advocate for that. But that's not what we got. We got a bean from someone who probably didn't even know anything about Chicago when he got commissioned to do it. And I can understand not having a name for, you know, your art or for a piece without without it being completed. I can understand that. I don't I don't uh diss him or feel ill of him for not having a title for his art. I mean, I've composed a couple of pieces and a lot of my pieces don't even have like creative names, you know, it's like you know, um, trio for two violins and horn, horn trio number one, number two, number three. Um, a lot of the pieces that I have that do have interesting names aren't even completed yet. And that was over a decade ago. Hell, there's a piece that I've been wanting to complete for over a decade now called Elegant Darkness. No idea. I don't know when that's going to be completed. I don't know if it will be completed, but elegant darkness. So you know what, Kapoor? Um, you stick to your ideals. Be less of a, less of a douchebag in the art world. And um, I don't know. Come up with... Actually research your town before you decide to dump it with your turd. God. Anyway. Yeah, that's all. That's really all I got for for this. I just wanted to dive into what is the Chicago Bean actually? Who who created it? Why? Well, now I know why. It's for a paycheck. No cultural influence whatsoever. Artist douchebag with some morals. That's about it. That's about all I learned. What did you learn? 
How do you feel about the Chicago Bee now that you've listened to these articles? And quite a bit of articles, too. This is the most articles I've read in one podcast. I wanted to give a full sweep of this dude, of this piece, in order to try to justify to myself, no, I didn't criticize it too harshly, or no, you know what, I'm spot on. Reading all this did not sway my dislike towards the bean. Maybe it's that deep-seated. But, yeah, I know a little bit more about it, but I'm still not impressed. Oh, well. Anyway, that's all I have planned for the podcast. That's all I got. So it's going to be a little less than an hour, but you know what? It was concentrated. It was truthful. And it was, it was full piss and vinegar. And some interesting articles. I, I enjoyed the articles that I read. I hope you did too. Uh, but with that said, um, yeah, we're going to call it here. We're going to call it here. But uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining. Remember that this podcast is found on... It is aired live on Twitch at fa- uh, twitch.tv slash fapismplays. Then you can find it on YouTube it's, uh, at fapismplays and then also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Search it either by my name, Frank Pador, or the title, The Frankly Speaking on Fridays Podcast. In addition to that, you can email the podcast. Please uh, send me questions, send me topics of discussion. Do you need advice about something musically or otherwise? Or just email me and say hello. You can do so at fsofpodcast at gmail.com. And as I always say to keep practicing, no matter what it is, so long doesn't hurt you or anyone else, keep practicing. I am going to practice, continue going headstrong with this new career uh or job anyway not a career this is not going to be my career this is just going to be temporary as i get some money become financially stable and pursue the dream that i want to do which is voice acting and narration so i'm gonna go headstrong i hope you are able to find something that you want to go headstrong and doesn't have to be anything career wise it can be personal you know maybe you're uh, afraid of going out you know what go to the mall uh, go to a shop in a mall, wear a mask, be safe, but you know what? Expose yourself a little bit to your fears, just a little bit enough to get your foot in the door. And for you to look back on it, the, a couple of hours, be like, you know what? That was good. That was progress. I can live with that. I want you to do the same. Go ahead strong with one thing this next week. And if you do email me, let me know what you did. All right. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. I'll see you next week. Do good. Remember that you're wanted. And I'll talk to you then. All right. Au revoir.